I want to first say thank you for this opportunity um, to be here in this place um, and to stand in this position and to deliver God's words to God's people. I never take lightly this opportunity. Um, it is a heavy and weighty um, uh, thing to stand here in this place. Um, and I appreciate the um, invitation to come. Again, my name is Marcus Nobles. I'm the campus minister at Alabama A&M for RUF and several other things. Um, uh, I'd be happy to talk to you about all the ways that um, I've been working in God's kingdom over these past few years later on. But now let's turn to God's word. Today we're going to be looking at John 10, particularly verses 11 through 18. And the title of this sermon is The Good Shepherd. Here in the book of John, there's this eyewitness testimony of the life of Jesus written by one of Jesus' closest followers who was called the disciple that Jesus loved. And By the end of this book, it tells us that it was written so that we may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing that we may have life in his name. This book has some of my favorite Bible stories in it, right? Like the wedding at Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine, and uh, the story of Nicodemus. Anybody remember that one? Yeah? Uh, there's a story of the woman of the well, the feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, healing of the, uh, of, the, of the blind man, which happens right before this one, and then here in chapter 10, this story of the good shepherd. Let's read. John 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, see the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is God's word. I do believe it's true. The flowers may wither, the um, grass thereof may fade away, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly once again to say thank you for being our God and thank you for choosing us to be your people. Father, help us as we dig deeply into your words that your word be written deeply on the tablets of our hearts and that as we go forth from this place, we can show people not just who we are, but whose we are. Your sheep, the members of your flock. It's this and all things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Now, <clears throat> if you haven't noticed already, my voice is trailing a little bit uh, for the past. Uh, uh, all of last week, my entire family had the flu. 
And so I'm better from the flu now. I feel great. I, I really feel like I'm at 100%. But my voice hasn't come back yet, which for someone like me is the most miserable thing ever because my entire life is ministry. So I speak to people and I talk to people all the time. So to not be able to talk in my full voice is probably the most aggravating thing ever. But we're going we're gonna to push through it tonight. And I promise I'm not going to stand here long. I'll be here as long as this cough drop lasts. And once this cough drop disappears, so will I. So again, we're looking here at this story um, where Jesus makes this profound I am statement. And here Jesus begins using a metaphor of a shepherd and a sheepfold to illustrate the relationship between himself and his followers. He describes the shepherd entering through a gate and the sheep recognizing the shepherd's voice. And those who enter by other means are considered thieves and robbers. And then Jesus declares himself as the door or the gate of the sheepfold. And he asserts that whoever enters through him will be saved and find pasture. Then he contrasts himself with thieves that come to steal and destroy, emphasizing his role as the source of abundant life. All this happens just before uh, John 10. And then here in John 10, Jesus is continuing his response to this group of people called Pharisees after healing a blind man in chapter 9. And again, Jesus is doing things that upset the status quo of the day and draws people closer into relationship with him. And these Pharisees take some real offense to what Jesus is doing. These Pharisees were a movement of several thousand pious Jewish men who thought to interpret the law carefully and according to the traditions of previous generations of the pious. And they had no real political power in Jesus' day, but they were highly respected and thus influential amongst the larger population. And they emphasized their own version of purity rules and look forward to the resurrection of the dead. Here, Jesus' response and his I am statement of I am the good shepherd is a direct response to this particular group of people, these Pharisees. Let's look deeply at this word. John ten eleven. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. <coughs> here, this is the fourth time that Jesus makes an I am statement here in the book of John. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Then in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. And he says, I am the door in John 10, 9. And then here in the section that we're reading tonight, he says, I am the good shepherd. Later on, he goes on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he ends in John 15 saying that I am the true vine. Jesus is using some language here that is absolutely intentional in his response to this group of scribes and Pharisees. By proclaiming, I am the good shepherd, this group of Bible scholars would have known that Jesus was referencing scripture. Right? Like in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or in Isaiah 40, he will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, he will carry them in his bosom and lead them gently, those that are with young. Here Jesus is clearly and uh, plainly stating in a bold fashion exactly who he is. 
This positive affirmation of his connection with the absolute deity of God himself. This language would have been directly understood by all of these Israelites as Jesus referring to himself as the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Here Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, is him stating a direct relationship with God. Jesus is the shepherd that God has called and appointed and sent to care for his sheep. The Greek word used here for good is kalos, which John uses before in chapter 2 at the wedding of Cana, one of my favorite Bible stories. At the wedding, Jesus turns water into wine so that a party doesn't have to stop, right? And the master of the feast called the wine the best wine. Do you guys remember that story? It's a really intentional story, and that's that's a whole other sermon. We'll go there later. But, But Jesus performs that miracle as a way to remove guilt and shame out of the equation. And it's amazing that his first miracle, although it seems like a innocent party trick, is actually this grand gesture to remove guilt and shame. I love that story so much. But this same word for good is used. Here, when Jesus turns water into wine, the master of the feast calls it the best wine. The master of the feast calls it choice wine, something that's excellent, something that's prime. It's the best of the best. It's preeminently excellent, something that is absolutely set apart from the ordinary. The master of the feast claims that it's the best wine that he's ever had. And why would they hold it out till the end? Why not give that first, right? Here, Jesus is stating that he is the best shepherd, that he is the preeminently excellent shepherd, that Jesus is the best of the best. He's something that is set apart from the rest. The Greek sets this sentence in the most emphatic way possible. It literally reads, I am the shepherd, the good one. Like it can't get any more direct than that. I am the shepherd, the best one. I am the shepherd, the preeminently excellent one. This verse continues with some foreshadowing and the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. John ten twelve. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's really dig into this chunk of text here. Jesus is making another direct comment to these Pharisees. And when we can hear it in the same way that they would have heard it, you can understand why after this they would have been so willing to stone Jesus for saying words like this. Now again, this group of Pharisees are biblical scholars. They're scribes. They know the Old Testament. They would have known Ezekiel 34 too. It says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? 
You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strays you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. With the force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were shattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search for them. The Pharisees would have known that text. And they would have heard Jesus' words and knew exactly what he meant. They would have known texts like this in, in Zechariah eleven seventeen: Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered, his right eye utterly blinded. Jesus here was telling the Pharisees that they were the worthless shepherd. They, like a hired hand who flees when the wolf comes. Jesus was speaking directly to them in words that they knew and understood. Church, how often have we been like the hired hand? How often have the flaws in our character been exposed by our conduct during difficult times? How often have we been like those Pharisees? How about this? How often have life circumstances caused us to feel scattered all over? Like sheep without a shepherd. Think for a moment about your lowest when you felt like this. Like a sheep without a shepherd who was lost to the beast and wandering all over the mountains. Thank God for sending Jesus the preeminently excellent shepherd. Amen? John ten fourteen. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the best shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Imagine what the Pharisees must have felt to see Jesus showing up and fulfilling these Old Testament prophecies, strengthening the weak, healing the sick, binding up the injured, bringing back the stray, seeking out the lost, not with force or with rules, but with love and with kindness, feeding the sheep. Imagine how those Pharisees must have felt to see Jesus who was doing all of these things and then condemning them in biblical language that they knew and understood. Imagine how they must have felt seeing Jesus be the preeminently excellent shepherd. Not only to be known, but to know his sheep. Jesus again states that he would lay down his life for the sheep. There's a reminiscence here to David that's unmistakable. Like in 1 Samuel 17, 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb for the flock, I went after them and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose again against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. 
David was the one who would eventually become king, but first was a literal shepherd. He was willing to go and fight a bear or a lion to protect the sheep. And likewise, Jesus is saying that he, as the, pre as the preeminently excellent shepherd, would be willing to do anything for the sheep, even lay down his own life. That's why later in the same book of John, Jesus says, him, Jesus himself says this in John 15, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is this preeminently excellent shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. And Jesus says it over and over in this text, four times, that he would lay down his life for the sheep. Feel the, intentional, the, the intentionality and the foreshadowing that Jesus is using here. The Greek word huper, which is um, a marker indicating an activity that, or an event that is in some entity's interest for or in behalf of the sake of someone else. Here we see on full display our hope in salvation. Amen? That Jesus would be willing to lay down his life on behalf of someone else. For the sake of his sheep, he's willing to lay down his life. Jesus then doubles down on this and reaffirms why he's doing it. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. Church, here's where I get warm and fuzzy. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. <sighs> if nothing makes you feel good on the inside, let me read that to you one more time so that you really catch it. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. There's our hope, church. Right there is our hope that Jesus loves us so much that even though we weren't of his fold, that he would take us in so that we could hear his voice also. <sighs> how great is that? Look at how big Jesus is claiming to be here. These aren't just empty words. This is our hope and salvation. That Jesus would claim us as his own and call us part of his flock. Church, whose flock do you belong to? Whose voice do you listen to? Hebrews 3 says it this way, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, 
and we are his house, there's one flock. Which flock do you belong to? Jesus is clear in his words here. One more scripture reference. 2 Timothy 2 and 19. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are his. Church, whose voice do you listen to? Whose flock do you belong to? Whose voice do you listen to? Jesus is clear in his words, speaking to the salvation that he alone could bring. Our hope, church, is in this. A Savior who will know us and love us like his own sheep that will speak and we will hear his voice. He has us and will bring us also. Our hope is in one flock and in one shepherd, Jesus Christ alone. Amen? That he would lay down his life for ours on his own accord, out of his own authority, lay it down and pick it up again. Here Jesus is acting on a charge from his father that has been given to him to be the good shepherd, the preeminently excellent shepherd, to gather the ones that are lost, to bring them into the flock, to love them like a shepherd loves his sheep, to go even as far as to lay down his own life willingly. Jesus came to strengthen the weak, to heal the sick, to bind up the injured, to bring back the stray, to seek out the lost. Not with force, not by rules, but with love and with kindness. Feeding the sheep, being the preeminently excellent shepherd, that's why Jesus came. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, humbly we come to you once again, as always, thanking you for being our God and thanking you for choosing us to be your people. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who all the way back in John stated that he had sheep that were not in this fold, but that he would bring them also. Father, thank you for claiming us as your own. And not only for claiming us, but for sending the preeminently excellent shepherd to love us with kindness and with grace. To fill us up, to seek us out, and to shepherd us well like a father shepherds his children, like the shepherd shepherds the flock. It's this in all things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.